Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, man, it is good to be here, and I'm excited about our conversation today, partially because this is one of the conversations we're going to have that I can really truly say that I don't even come close to being an expert on the subject. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you listen to our episodes. I'm not an expert at all, but this is one I'm like, eh, I don't think I know enough at all about this. Yeah, th- this is one I would have to say, uh, if you say you're an expert in, anybody says this, they're an expert in, I would have to, to rebuttal that statement because I don't think anybody in a sense can be an expert in this topic. Uh, of course, what we're going to be talking about this morning is we're going to kind of be talking about a little bit about what's going in the Asbury revival. Uh, what can we learn and take away from this? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is revival? What does what that mean? We're going to kind of hash through some of this. Uh, again, I did, I did a, I did a, I don't, not on, of course, a lot of you know who are, who are connected with me on social media know that I don't do a lot of, uh, stuff on social media, unless, unless it's stuff within my own church. Uh, but I just felt led to just to kind of do a kind of a challenge and a post with this, uh, dealing with Asper, As, uh, Asbury Revival, because I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, what revival is. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. And I think it's partially because we've I don't know how much of it is the fact that we were basically raised in the southeast of our country, and so we have our limited perspective on what we saw growing up. Um, but there's also, uh, I mean, just the other day, there's a group uh, that I'm I was talking to, and we we're discussing whether revival is even a biblical term or concept because you know you know how some people they see something like, well, that word's not actually in the Bible, so I'm like, all right, well. Let's talk about it. <laughs> but when neither is Trinity. Trinity's not in the Bible. That's right. Um, neither is America. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a different conversation. But it is one of those things where we see, you know, um, that there's a call in the Bible to certain things. And some people would point at that and say, well, that's revival. And, and they may or may not be correct. And I would probably agree or disagree on certain points of it. But the the question I think that we have before us today is in addition to not just defining it to some degree um, of understandability, but also um, not being a, oh, it's great, it's of God, let's do this, but also not being a, nope, that's of the devil, uh, avoided at all costs, but using a little bit of discernment to figure out what's actually going on. Yeah, and, uh, and of course, David, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit before we hit, started recording. Uh, I grew up in, in uh, a free will Baptist church. And some of you may be listening saying, what in the world is a free will Baptist church? The Calvinists. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> they're actually the opposite of it. I'm just um, but it, it's a denomination that was actually birthed in the state of North Carolina a long time ago and it's birthed out of the uh, Wesleyan, West, uh, Wesleyan movement. Uh, so it's very much connected to the Methodist church and that kind of theology, except it's, it's, it's a Baptistic uh, aspect of it. 
Uh, so it, it was birthed out in the church I grew up at. It was a Free Will Baptist church. Uh, we were considered the black sheep of the Free Will Baptist denomination, but that's a long story that I, I, I was sharing another day. Uh, but we had with the, the denomination as a whole, uh, just briefly, is very legalistic. Mm. Um, men can't wear, uh, men can't have long hair. It's got to be short. Women have to wear uh, dresses. Uh, rock music is of the devil. Uh, that kind of legalistic junk. Now, my church when I was a kid wasn't like that. That's the reason why we're considered the black sheep of the denomination. Ah. Uh, but there was some of that there. So, so basically, it's old school mentality. Think independent Baptists. We're, we're free will Baptists and independent Baptists are very close in that kind of mentality. Right. So when, when we had revivals as a kid, again, I grew up in ministry. I was a preacher's kid. And I'm just going to be honest and transparent. I hated it as a kid. Uh, it, it was just why Ryan. <laughs> uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do tent revivals, even though we did, we did tent revival style stuff within the church building. Uh, and I just can remember from from Sunday and Wednesday, we just it was all it was was evangelist come in screaming at you, um, <laughs> and it's like I just hated it as a kid, uh, and. That's when, so when I hear the word revival, so and it took me a long it time. A little bit. Oh yeah, it took me a long time to get out of this mm-hmm. uh, as I understood what revival actually was. But when I heard heard the word revival, even in college, and uh, immediately was taking that picture of an evangelist coming and either a tent revival, uh, three days of screaming at you. And and that's a, that's where my mental picture goes when I hear the word revival. Okay, so why don't before we move forward, why don't we uh, offer up a legitimate definition of what revival actually is or should be? Well, we'll strive. Yes, give your definition. We'll we'll give it our best shot, knowing that we are flawed human beings. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and yeah, and Dave, you and me talked about this earlier. Uh, Again, man, we would talk about revival. What revival is? It's you got to look at the word itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's reviving something, reviving. So when you revive something, it, it was already alive. It was a certain point where it should have been, but something has happened, and you're reviving it back. Okay, so the word revival is actually referring, that's what it's referring to. So it's like when we, spiritual CPR. Yes, yeah, like exactly. Great analogy, like uh, uh, spiritual CPR, you're reviving someone back to where they were. Mm-hmm. So, so in, the, in that understanding, revival is not meant for the unchurched. It's meant for the church. That's what it's meant for. So think about Paul's writings in First and Second Corinthians. John writing in Revelation to the seven mm-hmm. churches. Yep. Uh, as a, these these were churches. These were believers, right? Uh, and but they weren't doing what they needed to do. In other words, they were falling away into sin, various sins, um, their identity falling away from Christ. You name it. That, that that's kind of the topics and themes you see in these writings. But there was written written to the church. Yeah. And these writings were written 
written to tr strive to bring them back, bring them back to the first love, bring them back to mm -hmm. God, bring them back to identity in Christ and, re and to repentance and to turning and following all out to him. Because the reality is all of us struggle with sin. All of, us, that. all of us struggle with sin. We have a sin nature. So, so all of us have a tendency of falling away from identity being Christ, falling away and being trapped in the, in the vices of this world, uh -huh. um, and being deceived by Satan. Uh -huh. um, so we all struggle with that. So we all continuously need the gospel spoken to us in our lives and being constantly being revived. So, yeah. when we, so when we use the word revival, that is what, what I'll see biblically, and, and biblically and also in the word itself, what is re, it's referring to. Yeah, and that, and that makes sense. And that's something that the conversation I was having, it was with some of the guys from the RFP network the other day. We're just hashing out some of the thoughts behind it and and um, looking at whether it this is something that like the modern Christian church has made up so that we can get intense and scream at people for three days, or if it's something that's like a legitimate biblical concept. And and a lot of the things that you said, like um, Paul's call to the Corinthian church to stop tolerating sin that even the Gentiles think is weird. Um, the, the, his statement to the, to the Galatian church, like, I can't believe you guys got distracted this quickly <laughs> from the gospel. And then John, and when he recorded what the angels said to, or what the Lord said to the seven churches in revelation, one of which you mentioned, um, I think it was the church at Ephesus. He's like, you guys are doing all these great things, but you've lost your first love mm -hmm. and, and that first love being Christ. And so, um, all of these things are, it's a call to refocus their attention. It's a call to refocus, uh, you said, their identity. Um, our identity is firmly planted in Christ if we belong to him. It will never be moved, but we can get distracted and think our identity can get uh, wrapped up in something else. Uh, and we talked about this in the last episode about getting wrapped up in the identity of ministry and having that become an idol. It can happen way quicker than we thought it would. But all of these things that we see throughout Scripture, and especially the New Testament, and and even the, basically the job of the prophets of the Old Testament was to call the people back to the Lord because they were not following Him the way they were supposed to. So there's a call to revive the original intent, the original setup, the original design. Um, and for us Christians who have been resurrected, which is why Ryan made a very clear point to say revival is for the church, not the unchurched, because the unchurched doesn't get revival. They get resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> they get brought um, back from the dead, uh, <laughs> all the way dead. Um, a, a Christian who needs a revival is someone who hasn't, their faith hasn't died. Um, it's just been uh, misappropriated or distracted or quenched. And they need, um, it, you don't need like more of the Holy Spirit. You just need to refocus yourself on Christ and on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. and the word of God. And that's the, where the revival comes, but that remain, that leaves the question, where does revival start? Yeah. And, um, again, the re revival, again, the, when we talk about revival, there's a misconception on, on, can we talk about what misconception, what revival is also a misconception where revival looks like, uh, too. So again, I, I fall, I've, 
following this and I, I've made this uh, assumptions as well when it comes to revival that we think that it's some kind of big, huge movement. Hmm. Uh, and that's all it is. Revival can lead to something like that's going on in Asbury. Asbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that's going on there, it can lead to that. And I think God is moving uh, tremendously in, in that space and, and where thousands of people all around the world are joining them in worship and prayer. So it, it can lead to that, but that's not necessarily what revival looks like. Revival actually starts uh, as you as an individual. Uh, you individually. Uh, basically turning yourself, rejecting uh, and understanding that you're, you're not where you need to be, understanding that your identity, you're getting sucked up in this world, and you come to God in repentance and prostrated in worship. Hmm. Uh, and it starts, so it starts with you as an individual. That's where revival starts. I think we, 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 we think we, we pray for revival. We, we may sit there and pray for it and want it, but sometimes we, we want it to happen, but we don't necessarily, without even maybe not even realizing it, that we don't necessarily try to, to, to revive ourselves, to have revival in our own life. Because hmm. here's the thing with, with the gospel. We, we sometimes think the gospel ends uh, when we are converted. <laughs> when we come to Christ, that's the only time you need the gospel. But in reality, that is so far from the truth. You constantly need the gospel. You constantly need to be reminded of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And constantly come to that all the time. Yeah, and what? Um, and and you're not saying constant resalvation. You're just saying we, we once saved, always saved. But we need the constant reminder of who Christ is, what He did for us, because we forget. Correct. We get because we are we live in a very we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a world where we're constantly being deceived by the deceiver, constantly being deceived by Satan uh, into believing that the the vices of this world, whether it's fame, whether it's uh, money, uh, right now I think one of the biggest things that is that's a vice for uh, not only people outside the church but also in the church. And even even ministry leaders, for that matter, mm-hmm. is is this I, this concept of wanting to be on a platform. Mm-hmm. I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to be popular. And we may not say that. You get wicked stuck in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may not say. Yeah, you may not say that. Yeah, verbally, but your actions. You're pursuing this thing to where you can be seen. Uh, that's the conversation like, you and I have all the time. Yeah, to make and, sure we avoid that mentality because we're—I mean, we're two guys on a platform saying, "Don't make it about the platform." Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and again, and and we have the yeah, David, absolutely, we constantly constantly have to remind ourselves, even do what we do, uh, that this is this is this is about God. This is not about us. Mm-hmm. This is about glorifying Him. Uh, it's not about us, but. Uh, yeah, so we're constantly being deceived, and because we're constantly being deceived, uh, sometimes we ignore the necessity of revival in our own hearts. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and look, 
uh, that goes back to the, the question I asked earlier is where, to, how does it start? Where does it start? What does it start with? And I kind of joked with Ryan earlier cause I asked him that before we, um, we started recording and, uh, I was expecting him to say revival starts with me. Um, <laughs> and, and he said, uh, oh, I forgot what you said. You said it starts with the word and with prayer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, look, it doesn't start with you. It starts with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, so the, yeah, that goes that's all that way. You just said too, is connected when it comes to personal revival. Yeah. Cause if you're, if you're not, man, if you're not, if you are not loving the father, loving God, pursuing him in a sense, almost like your, your life is pro, uh, prostrated and it's on the floor in front of him, worshiping him. If we're not trying to have that kind of posture, like your life depends on it. Yes. That kind of <laughs> posture in your, in your, and it's, and it's hard because we're constantly distracted. Mm-hmm. If you're not having that kind of posture of, of worshiping him and striving to be obedient and faithful to him, yeah. then of course, revival is not going to happen in your life. Yeah, and then you're going to see somebody else experience it and get jealous. And and that I that's actually you brought up a great point, which brings the fact if you're you're je- jealousy, okay? Uh that's a, that's a great point. That's something that I can I can both uh not proudly admit, but honestly admit. I've struggled with that. I've seen people going through revival. I've seen great men in the faith doing phenomenal stuff, God working through them, seeing revival in their heart. Yes, and it brings a sense of jealousy, and that goes back. To, jealousy goes back to the fact that I'm not where I need to be. Mm. Mm. That's a good mark that you need some revival. <laughs> yeah, and so, and social media, mm. and does not help with that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, one of the other things that um, th- this is kind of, I'm naturally cynical about stuff. Um, the, the family I grew up in, we're very conservative theology went, you know, um, I didn't realize this, but I guess the first half of my life, we attended an evangelical free church. I don't really get what their denominational distinctive is other than it's probably Baptist light. I'm not sure, but, um, and then the second half of my life growing up, we were in a Southern Baptist church. And, um, I mean, my parents were both missionaries, very conservative theologically. Um, my dad was, one of those guys where um, I don't think he ever said this out loud, but if he couldn't find it in scripture, he probably didn't give it much thought as far as um, the validity of something. And so um, because it was a lot of Southern Baptist, you know, living in exposure, um, I think Baptists in general kind of scared of the Holy Spirit um, because the Pentecostals freak them out. But um and I know that's an overgeneralization. So, so that like the move of the Holy Spirit and some of these more, uh, what, what some people would consider like fantastical things, uh, were not really a huge part of my growing up years. Not something that like, we never really like felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. We just read scripture and realized that he was there. So we acknowledged the truth of it. <laughs> um, so I've never had one of those like feelings typed revival type thing that some people say they experience. Um, so when when I've had a similar taste in my mouth for it that you had describing the what the things that you went through when you grew up and having an evangelist come in and preach the same gospel message three different ways in three different days, and um, I was just like, this isn't, this is not revival. This is just 
church more than once in the week <laughs> and there's no unsafe people here. So why are you preaching an evangelism message? Um, I didn't understand the need for the gospel to be constantly reminded of in my life yet. But then I went to college and I attended a church and Ryan, you and I were at the same church when this happened, Ryan. Um, there's a group that came in called Life Action and not sponsored, but um, we uh, we experienced that. And that was probably the closest I could say that I've ever been to what a lot of people would consider a revival. And so I, I chalked it up in my own personal life as a revival moment for me because there were multiple days in a row that we were at the church, which is, that's fine. Um, but it wasn't what I was used to when I heard the term revival and they never used that word. Um, they never said it was a revival. They never built it as a revival. Um, I'm not actually sure what they called it. They just, it was like four or five days in a row of, I don't know if you've ever seen or read the book, um, the one of the Chronicles of Narnia, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and um, Eustace turns into a dragon because he finds gold, and he meets up with Aslan as the dragon, and he's trying to peel his scales off to go back to being a boy, and he can't do it, and so he finally lets Aslan do it, and Aslan digs deep, and it hurts, and he, you know, lion claws, and he peels off all the layers of dragon to turn him back into a boy. But and it's it's a really painful process for Eustace, but it happens and he goes back to being who he was supposed to be because he let Aslan take over. That's the closest analogy I can think of what happened those four or five days in a row. I deep spiritual dive into how screwed up I really was and how much I needed Christ, like at the most basic levels. I mean, talk about your spiritual life laying prostrate before the Lord, begging him to revive you because you are so messed up. And also almost lost my girlfriend at the time. But we got married and I have seven kids. So it turned out okay. <laughs> but that was one of those moments where I realized through studying deep scripture, uh, deep study of scripture, through intentional, doctrinally accurate worship, through lots of prayer and and focused, intentional prayer, not just like, thank you for this food and this great day. Hope you have a great day. Amen. Kind of prayers. It was it was deep, focused, guided, intentional thinking, praying studying, journaling, asking questions you don't want to ask, answering <laughs> answers you don't want to give, not with everybody. There was a personal journal we all had we had to keep and it was private to us. But that's that for me was revival because it caused me to take an honest assessment of who I was in light of my current relationship with the Lord and how distracted I had gotten and how much of the driver's seat I had edged him out of in my life and was trying to control the car myself. And so for me, the revival aspect was me getting out of the driver's seat, letting him get back in it and refocusing my attention, my adoration, my worship, my, my focus, my goals. Um, the reasons I was doing things back on who Christ was and his, his design for who I am now as a man. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what revival is. Uh, it is, it's got to ha start with you personally. And I, again, when you look at the Asbury revival, again, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm not there. I haven't been there. So I can't, I'm, this is all secondhand written accounts and testimonies of what's going on. Uh, but it seems from testimonies that started with just a group of, group of students just mm -hmm. coming forward and just want to pray and worship and just wouldn't leave. And that grew, God, grew that into something that's unbelievably massive 
that's been seen around the world. But it start with just simple thing of just students coming to pray. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that kind of brings like kind of what I want to talk about. And I kind of shared this when I, on social media, uh, did a post on this and kind of talking about it, but is can revival happen among students? Uh, and the short answer and answer to that, of course, me and David both agree with this is yes, it, it, can, it can happen among students. But I think, I think we have fallen into this trap as, as ministry leaders, as youth pastors, uh, youth leaders, as parents, uh, we, we can fall in this trap of thinking that, that basically that students can't handle deep truth. Students mm. can't handle deep theology. Students can't handle apologetics. And even we, we go to the point of possibly even believing that students can't handle really sharing their faith. Now, we don't say this, like we don't verbally say these things. No, but they get treated that way. Yeah, they, they get treated that way in practice. And, mm-hmm. and in other words, like we, we, we dumb down our teaching. Uh, we don't want to talk about difficult things. We avoid LGBTQ. We avoid things that are going on in our culture and approaching it biblically. Mm. We avoid deep theology and doctrine. We avoid talking about apologetics. For the and politics. Well, yeah, even, well, I, I personally try to avoid that a little bit. Well, but, but, intentional politics, not the surface level stuff that gets a hey man in the service on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, but, but kind of, but approaching it deeply with your students. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instead of doing that, we, we dumb down our teaching, thinking that teen, students can't handle it. Uh, we, we dumb down um, our expectations of our students. Mm. And, and so, we, so students are never challenged. And we, we wonder why we're losing a generation. Or we wonder why our kids are not passionate about Christ, passionate about sharing their faith. And this, this may sound a little bit calloused. I don't mean to just come across this way, but we have a tendency sometimes as youth leaders to revolve all of our, our ministry efforts around apathetic kids and apathetic parents instead of revolving our ministries around kids and parents who want it, who want to grow in their faith, who, who have a deep desire to share the faith, a deep desire to know God and live for him. Um, and, and again, what does that look like to me? It can look like different ways in different contexts, but to me, a person or a ministry that falls in, in the camp of, of compromising, dumbing down teaching is, is, people who are who are more concerned about filling butts and seats mm. than they are about deep theological truth by by challenging our kids and pouring into them we, we compromise we sacrifice all that for the sake of numbers uh we, we compromise all that for the sake of pleasing parents uh, and again, you should be fo- you should love parents you should minister to them because they are the primary disciple in the home but don't compromise 
challenging and your kids and and to grow in their faith for the sake of pleasing people. Yeah, I I would agree. I think um, the the analogy that popped in my brain while you were explaining that was we spend too much time trying to coax the apathetic ones out of the closet and are out of the storeroom, you know, where the weapons are. And there is a whole horde of them standing out in the field ready to go to battle that we could be leading the charge with. And we're in this storeroom trying to coax that one kid out where should you ignore that kid? No. Um, But in telling the truth, invite them to be a part of what you're doing and then focus on the ones that want to be there. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that again, 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 don't don't take what I say and twist it. Absolutely. You should be about reaching kids. Yeah. Okay hands down but your efforts and energy and and your entire ministry should not revolve around apatheticness reaching apatheticness because it should be focused on making disciples yeah and i think uh to be honest with you ryan the way that you've described what you just said i think the natural positive consequence. I'm not sure what the word for is for that right now. The natural positive consequence of doing that, it'll bleed into the life of the apathetic ones and they'll start waking up. A- absolutely. And they'll realize, you know what? I really am miserable. And these guys, yeah, they got life hard sometimes, but they they care and they love Jesus and this is great. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, a- a- absolutely absolutely. And uh Again, we, we wonder why uh, revival is not happening in our midst. We, we, we wonder why uh, kids aren't passionate with faith. We wonder why uh, they don't have a passion of reaching other people. It, it's because we're not setting an environment where God and the Holy Spirit can really move. Church uh, politics. It, yeah, for, yeah, for, yeah, for, for <laughs> it's, I can, it is. Oh, yeah, church, church politics. Or, yeah, absolutely. That's part of it. <sighs> yeah, but I, th- I think it's in this is another thing as well is that we, man, there's nothing wrong with programs. So don't, don't, again, don't twist this either. But we, we over program the snot out of our ministries to where everything is down to the letter to the T, got to do worship in this amount of time, got to mm-hmm. do game in this amount of time, got to do teaching. You uh, give small the group. Holy Spirit an hour and a half to show up on Wednesday night, and if he doesn't show up tonight, he's going to have to wait till next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, and I love, I love uh, 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 Greg Steer uh, did an article about this, and, and also ta- he's talked about it too uh, many times. He's the um, founder of uh, Dead or Share Ministries. But he, he talked about, shared a story uh, about a youth pastor at a church in Washington, D.C. that uh, they, they read his book, Gospelize, creating a gospel-centric ministry. And he took that book, took it to heart, completely evalu- uh, transformed his ministry, his ministry outlook of how he did student ministry. And, and so, but anyways, his ministry was flourishing. Yeah, absolute book. Great book. He, those he of you just can't released see, it with a new chapter. Yeah, so those of you can't see, of course, can't see that David's got his book that he's, he's showing me right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so in in that story, this 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 pastor, the student uh, student pastor, was um, 
again, re- redoing his ministry, refocusing it to become gospel centralized. And in their, in their, uh, her, like their night that students meet that you'll be surprised. They don't even, they do worship, they pray. And there may be a lesson and then they in group time, but there's no, there's not a fun element. There's no icebreaker. <gasps> yeah, there's no, there's no fun element. It, I think they, I just they, heard they, a sacred cow die. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, sit, they, they sit around and they pray. They're praying for their, their friends who are not saved, praying God to move, praying to God to work through them. And that is their their time. And again, again the student uh, Greg asked asked him, doesn't make doesn't it make visitors feel feel weird or uncomfortable? He said, absolutely, yeah, sure, it, absolutely. But this is this is not this is about it's just about reaching people for Christ. Uh, anyways, not not saying that you have to do that, but it gives an example of of a ministry that understands what's important. Mm. Uh, it's important. What's important is allowing the Holy Spirit to move, uh, not over-programming, and focusing on just on fun. Worship is great, but, oh, but give some room to God to move. Mm-hmm. If, that, if, that means, if that means changing things up a um, few times a month, change things up, uh, but allow Him to move. Don't over-program uh, your student ministry. Over-program God out of it. But so that's a good point, man. Yeah. So, so, so again, we talk about how. So how how do we get uh, our student ministries to a point of personal revival? Let's start there. Personal revival, kids, personal revival. The first thing I would say, for for in my opinion, my humble opinion. Again, I'm again, I'm not God. I'm not an expert. I'm not a spiritual guru. I'm just looking at scripture and 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 seeing what I see in, in God's word. The first thing I say is pray, prayer. Pray for your students. So, and again, with intention. Yes, and, and and not pray for God to move. And don't don't necessarily, but don't necessarily expect something huge, like like Asbury. Don't don't expect, necessarily expect that. Even though that is awesome, God can do that. You can pray for it. Absolutely, you can pray for <laughs> it. But the thing is, is that God. More than anything, pray to God to move individually in kids' hearts. Yeah. It, it, is, it is more important to see, to see something big like this, something that, quite frankly, some of us get jealous or want because, let's just be honest, it makes us look good, makes our ministries look good. Yeah. In, instead of, instead of, Focusing on that, which be, can become a selfish, self-centered for some people, uh, instead of pray specifically for individual students to God to work in individual hearts, and if God moves something like that, then God be the glory. Uh, but pray, pray for students, and pray for God to work, and and God's had to work this in my own life because I, I I am a workaholic. Uh, I like I like to produce. Uh, that's the reason why, for the longest time, I was a numbers guy. Guy get butts in seats, butts in seats, and uh, it. So it's hard. This is hard for me to really not focus on on things that make me look like I'm producing and producing well, but yeah. produ- but praying for something 
that is that can't be measured by metrics yeah that and that's hard for us because we live in a world as youth pastors and youth workers where there is an expectation of metric yeah so yeah you start by praying praying for individually for your hearts the students hearts next next thing uh, i would do for your students and this is more of a practical side of things is and to find what worship is mm. and do it well. Uh, I think we we had this 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 weird, I guess it's a Western culture mindset of worship only happens when you sing songs. Yeah, <laughs> and and we call it worship instead of but worship for for as a worship service. Okay, for for student ministry or Sunday mornings. Every aspect of that is worship, from from the prayer time, from the preaching, the mm-hmm. teaching. Every aspect is as worship, and the, I, I even go try to go a step further. Everything you, how you live your life, also is an act of worship, mm. and it reveals where your worship, what your worship is to. Mm. Yep, that's true. Uh, I think uh, even when we teach people what worship is more than just singing songs and we talk about how like preaching and praying and and then your lifestyle and whatnot. But the one thing that we don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about when it comes to what worship is, is your attitude. (laughs) That's part Uh, every aspect. Yeah. Every aspect of your life is a part of worship. Yeah. We don't think about our attitude as an act of worship. You you think about that long enough, it'll break you. Absolutely, I I had a I use my stuff example. I had a horrible attitude towards my wife uh, last night, and God had to beat myself across the head. I realized, man, I just I just screwed up in this moment. Yeah, and it happens so fast because that's one of those things where it's a moment by moment thing, and that's why we have to have this attitude of whole complete reliance on who God is every moment of the day because our attitude changes. And even Sunday night when I was teaching the teens, uh, the, the, it came up again. We, we talked about depression on Sunday night. And, and one of the main things I wanted them to take away was something I've told them for the last five years. You can't live your life based on how you feel. You have to live it based on the truth because how you feel is going to change. And we didn't cover the whole gambit of depression. We didn't go the clinical route because I'm not licensed. So I don't want to step in a pie. I didn't fully understand. But um, it's, we can't, if you're going to experience revival, if you're going to experience worship on an authentic level, it it can't be rooted in feeling. You can feel, there's nothing wrong with emotions. God gave them to us, but it can't be rooted in that because it has to be rooted in the truth. And the truth has to be rooted in the truth of who Christ is and what he's done and what he continues to do. And it has to be rooted in the truth of the Word of God. And so when you say it starts with prayer, well, what is prayer? Well, it's one of the ways that we refocus ourselves back on Him and off of us (laughs) so that we can experience the things that He has designed for us to experience in the way that they're supposed to be experienced, not in some frou-frou, oh, it feels so great kind of way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um one other thing I just want to point out too, as well is uh, is we need to get kids to 
the students to understand that God can use anyone, no matter their age, mm. uh, no matter what part of life, God can use anyone uh, for for great movement of God. I, I think that because of our culture, uh, because even church culture, uh, we've we've limited students as not good enough uh in a sense of again again back to be dumbed down teaching we theology deep doctrines and uh, we dumb all that down because we think they're not good enough we think they can't handle it uh quite frankly and we don't say this but we do it we kind of think they're stupid uh let's just be honest I mean, there mm. are some there are some that, are that some kids some students that uh, we, we, even so student pastors and youth pastors, we struggle with that too. It's like, man, that middle schooler gets on my nerves. Uh, so, so <laughs> middle schooler, senior. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so we, we, we okay, I, I, I get it. We, we struggle with it, but we, we, yeah. we have to understand. And again, those of you listening, uh, you may disagree with me and that's okay. But, uh, adolescence itself is a construct of culture. Uh, it's not something that's been, it's, it's something that's new. It's a construct of culture, built in culture, and we've kind of catered uh, how we treat students based off of that. Um, I think in, in some that's led to students to being a little bit uh, less mature than they were uh, 70, 80, 90 years ago. Uh, there's a big sh- culture shift. But anyway, but I think instead of focusing on that, challenging your students and get them to understand that God can use them. If God can use a handful of college students, 20-somethings, who just getting up there just to pray, it causes a massive movement of God. God can use our students in a powerful way within their schools, their family, within their churches. If we get them to understand that, that God can use them where they at, it may not be big. It could be, it could be big, but it may not be big, but God can use them. I think that would be a game changer because I think a lot of students are buying into what culture says, buying in to what their churches, some churches are saying to them that they are not good enough. Yeah. And unfortunately there's two sides to this ugly coin because, and and this is something that frustrates me to no end. And I know this is a little bit of a bunny trail and I'm okay with it. Um, we, society treats students like they're stupid and that they're not good enough to do certain things except for sex. Yeah. Then they can do whatever they want because they're old enough. They can make their own choices. They can choose what gender they are even at like five years old. Like, okay. How do you think they can do that, but they you 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 don't think they're smart enough to do any of this other stuff or handle any of this other stuff? It doesn't make any sense. It's a total farce in my mind. The the way society treats teenagers and and children and it's frustrating that some of that's leaked into the church because I think um it, it's like a parenting principle. You know, that you you raise the bar and your kids will meet the bar. I I mean, you don't raise it ridiculously high. You don't want to expect a five year old to be able to understand calculus, but I mean, some can probably, <laughs> but the, the point is we, we should not be lowering the bar. We should be raising it 
to an appropriate level because I think if we raise a bar and then call our students to it and then the attitude with which we call them to it is an attitude that displays, I believe you can actually do this, then they'll shoot for it. And if they miss, then they shot higher than they did yesterday, but, but they can, they can do it and not just on youth emphasis Sunday. (laughs) 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 You know, it's something that they, they, one of the things that I've heard in multiple churches throughout my time in ministry, and even as a kid, is people complain that teenagers are not involved in enough areas of ministry in the church. And they're like, okay, what areas are you talking about? Because the things that I've tried to get them involved in, you're like, um, we don't, we, they can't do that. They're too young. And it's like, well, then quit your whining, Gertrude. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Um, but yes, to, 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 uh, agree with your initial answer yes revival can happen in students i think it should um and i think we should lead the way as their leaders and and point their parents to it as well and then encourage them when it happens um and encourage them to continue to to seek the lord and seek uh the truth from his word and, and have it rooted in that and not just in the emotions so um hopefully uh this helped clarify a few things for you guys today um and uh, gave you some things to think about. Again, Ryan and I are not uh, experts on this, but it is a discussion that we thought was worthy of um, hashing out some things to help you guys think through some stuff. And so uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, And if you haven't yet, please take a moment to comment or star review us on Apple Podcasts. And uh, that just allows us to keep our content near the top of the search results because there are people out there looking for good youth ministry content things to help them uh, equip themselves in ministry or just uh, to learn and to have themselves challenged. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast that we haven't hit yet, or maybe we need to rehash it because stuff has changed, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to connect with you on our Facebook group, the Youth and Culture Facebook group. We also have a page there as well. as well, And then we're also on Instagram. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode. 